Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers, Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Thank you. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 64 of Retro Hangover. Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast where literally losers live life locked in their lairs, lingering, lazy, and lifeless, lost like legit loners, while the leaders in larger learned let loose. This is episode 64 of Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with our Nintendo host, LP Tiger, and as always, your host, Shane Hates loud dick dragon noises, Koski. I feel like there's a Pulse voice joke somewhere in there, but I feel like I'm above that, so I'm going to let it go. It kind of does look like uh, the head of a penis with ears. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad we went there. You you did it. I, I, I put all of this on you. I blame, I blame you for all of the, the dick dragon related things. And I, I followed up with the dick jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we need we need more dick jokes. Yeah, no, of course. It's <laughs> how you get the subs, man. God damn it! Now my dog's scratching at the door again. This fucking dog. Uh, so hi, hi everyone. How are you doing? While I go take care of my dog. Hi, Tiger. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Hi, I'm back. Yeah, I I, I couldn't wait to hear the pee pee jokes again. I, yeah, you're always so enthusiastic about that that portion. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I my life is literally uh, lacking of PP. Oh, I did alliteration like y'all did. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's starting to rub off on you. Yeah, I always like and <laughs> oh, lavish your laudable launch, which is laden with lots of alliteration. Ooh, very impressive. Off the cuff. Yeah, That's, I didn't yeah. plan that at all. <laughs> Hot damn. That's how I used to be before I got, you know, stupid. Ah, this drink's good. I wonder what could have made me that way. In any case, we have a great episode for you today, which is sure to probably piss a lot of you off. And it's going to be great, because today we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda. But in any case, uh, before we talk about The Legend of Zelda, we need to all talk about what we're playing as I'm trying to fumble through my thoughts right now. This is horrible. This is a bad, 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 bad day. I guess. So, Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to? What is your life in video games at the moment? Oh, man. So, actually, I think I think it was last episode I had mentioned that we uh that Brianna and I had started playing a way out. Um we were trying to do mm-hmm. some more some more co-op gaming, you know, with the whole the whole quarantine thing going on. And um and we actually ended up finishing it up. Um I think it was last week. I don't know. I I honestly have no concept of time anymore. Um, so it could have been last week or it could have been yesterday. Who knows? But, um, it was a relatively short experience, but I think it was like, it, it was succinct in the right way. I don't think it like overstayed its welcome or anything, but, um, we, we had a really good time with it. It tells a really great story. Um, we have some quibbles with how the game ends and I'm probably going to do a rapid fire review on this actually. So if you're a 16 uh, bit tier subscriber or above to our Patreon, then you'll probably be getting that sometime in the near future. Um, but overall, though, is a really enjoyable experience. And so I reiterate, if you're looking for a good couch co-op game to play with another person while you are locked inside your homes, um, you can't really go wrong with that. And actually, at the time of recording this episode, it is currently on sale on the PSN store for like nine dollars. So if you're going to grab it, I would grab it now. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, man, just uh, some more FF13. Still trying to uh, play wow. through the rest of that story. I'm almost at the end. And then once I get done with the story, of course, I got to go back and, you know, grind out some more of the side quest stuff and level up all my, my gear and, and the whatnots. 
Okay. Um, you're you're going to try and plat that shit? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but I but I, I at least want to, like, finish all of the side content and, and try to, like, max out the weapons for, for my main party and, and all that good stuff. Because I'm that kind of person. Um, but, yeah, that's that's mostly been it, man. Outside of that, like, I've actually been just busy with life stuff. Like, I just spent... 12 hours yesterday before we did our stream Sunday reskirting a uh, a manufactured home that I have on my property and uh, it's the first time I've ever done it and it turned out surprisingly well so uh but it was it was a long day and it was hot as shit outside so it was uh not what I would call fun it's never but it, is fun but it's done but it's rewarding so. the reward is in the completion. Make sure I understand. You say reskirting. Is it like, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you're putting the skirt again on the manufactured home? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that the skirting that goes around the bottom of it to like, you know, block the the fact that it's like up off the ground. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It was just like these were 20 plus years old and they were super banged up. And so it needed a, a refresh. So I uh, went through and, and did that yesterday. So that's a thing I know how to do now. He was getting his house dialed up. It's a nice little mini skirt. It's nice yeah, and tight. Yeah, that's right, yeah. man. I gotta power wash that thing, put a new Ooh. coat of paint on it, bring it out on the town. Man. Keep talking dirty. Keep talking dirty. To <laughs> that me, sounds like what I've been doing the last few weeks, except <laughs> oh, well, in a uh. virtual way. <laughs> well, what have you been doing the past few weeks, Tiger? Yes. What are your turnips like, Tiger? <laughs> What's nice, the nice, nice uh, segue. What? Love it. Yeah, I thank you, thank you. Uh, my turnips. Have been getting my, uh, you know, bell bells in my bank turned up, uh, if I must say. Because, ah. uh, <laughs> this isn't uh, like an innuendo, is it? <laughs> no, it's literally turnips. Yeah. Oh, oh. so yeah. Oh, I've been playing <laughs> Animal Crossing: New Horizons, and that's been surrounding my entire life. You know, since I've been quarantined indoors, uh, as well as my girlfriend Lindsay. Uh, that's pretty much all we've been playing. You know, on a daily basis. So. Uh, as you've been, you know, reskirting your manufactured home in real life, uh, I've been, uh, you know, decorating and uh, planting bushes and flowers and hybriding those flowers to make different color flowers and talking to my neighbors and digging up fossils and, you know, et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, I thought you were going to say bodies. <laughs> oh, no, you, you find I bodies. Mean, technically, just, you know, that is millions still correct. of years old. That's how old yeah. the bodies are. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, that that has been really fulfilling our lives lately, uh, Animal Crossing. And um, to what you were saying about turnips, turnips are the um, item that you get every Sunday morning from a lady named Daisy May who works for Sal Joan, may I say, uh, which is a reference obviously to Dow Jones. And um, you're buying from the Stalk Market. And then you buy these turnips. T A L K. You're buying these turnips at a rate of generally 90 to 110 bells, which is your currency. And when you buy them, you have to sell them back. Uh, you you will not sell them back. You sell them to Timmy and Tommy in the market, and the rate that they sell uh, that they buy them for changes every morning and every evening. So. Generally, you have websites out there that try to predict the market, and there are multiple websites where you put in how much your <laughs> how much your turnips are in the morning, and then in the evening, and then the next day, in the morning, in the evening, and then they'll tell you we think it's going to you know shoot up on Thursday, so you sit and wait around on Thursday hoping that you know it's worth four hundred, five hundred, six hundred uh, bells, so that you can resell these uh, turnips and you know make a large profit. This is literally day trading. Yeah. <laughs> this is just American psycho, like Animal Crossing edition. And you don't understand. And if if people, people that know nothing about the stock market, you know, they're learning from the stock market. And, 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 <laughs> and that they have all these websites that are set up and then they can like study all these uh, like analytics and People are saying, you know, I think mine's going to be up tomorrow. So if you're online, you know, I'll give you my dodo code, which is like their way of sharing their uh, their their town so that they can go over there and uh, sell into their town because different people's towns have different you know, amounts of bells for uh, the turnip. So it becomes this world worldwide thing. And I don't know if you've seen 
But uh, what's his name? Elliot, not Elliot, Elijah Wood. He like went into some random person's town because their uh, their turnips were being sold for like six hundred bells. <laughs> so I'm sure it was oh, a nice. Yeah, I'm sure it was that. a nice shire. It was a great shire for him to go to. <laughs> <sighs> I just I foresee like this big influx of people like attempting to start doing day trading and then just lose a ton of money and just be like, Sal Jones lied to me. <laughs> this is this we're gonna raise an entire generation of Gordon Geckos, and I can't possibly mm-hmm. see what's going to go wrong. Turnips are for closers. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's pretty much what my life has been the last few weeks. So yay. Hooray. Awesome. Chris, what uh, about you? What have you been up to? Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I have beat the game on normal. Cool. So there's that. So right now I'm actually, I am trying to go back and plat that shit because it actually seems manageable. Very, very manageable. So I have beat the game, as I said, and I've made it more than halfway through the game on hard because that's another one of the trophies is to play the game on hard mode. Mm. And holy shit, like hard mode is actually hard. I was taken aback by how I, it's 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 difficult. I wasn't expecting it. And it's like artificially difficult. And that's that's kind of where I am with the bullshit. Mm. Because instead of so just making you think that it's like not fairly difficult, it, it's more of a handicap than mm. actually making the game more difficult. OK, because what they do is you cannot use the item function anymore in hard Weird. mode and you can't replenish your. Uh, magic points through normal methods like there's these there's these benches where you recover your hp and mp but in hard mode they only replenish your hp oh so hmm. yeah it's it's pretty brutal um, they just take away things yeah they just essentially take away things and make the enemies hit harder well yeah i guess that does make it hard <laughs> so there's this one boss uh, that you fight. Uh, if anyone played the original Final Fantasy VII, which we all have because we did an episode and you should listen to it, you fight an enemy called the Hell House. And that's that's an enemy in Midgar, which is the bonkers-ass enemy. And in, in normal mode, that thing is a handful within in and of itself. And then in hard mode, right after the battle starts, it throws tonberries at you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no and if you don't know what tomberries are there's these little green creatures that can kill you one hit so it opens up the door and throws three tonberries in your face <laughs> and you have to kill that while it kill them while it, that thing's attacking you and once i figured it out it wasn't you know I, I could beat it pretty pretty manageably but holy shit yeah it's it's a it's a hard game and um also i'm gonna be Probably doing a rapid fire review on Ridge Racer, which is a game I recently got for the PlayStation. And uh, uh, a preview of that is that the game sucks. But to get my great. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> please donate to our Patreon. To find out more. Don't need to know. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go more into that. I'm sure there's some Ridge Racer fans because back in 1995, I'm sure it was a great game. But it today it sucks. But that's all I got. Oh, awesome. I have a quick question. Um, just yeah. what's yeah. your general uh, what's your general overall feel for Final Fantasy VII Remake? What's your opinion? I like it, but I don't know who it's for, and I don't know what they're going to do after this. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm, I think I, yeah. I, I still I still haven't actually played it yet. I'm about halfway yeah. through, and like it's hard to jump back in when I'm doing Animal Crossing every day. So just curious because uh, I'm mm. definitely I definitely was not feeling the. Uh, some of the fetch questing going on in there. Exactly. Like there, there's, there's definitely some padding and yeah, noticeable padding, noticeable padding. Some of it's good. Some of it is just way, way too much. But speaking of obtuse padding, we need to talk hmm. about our game of the episode, which is the legend of Zelda. Are you guys ready? Uh, dude, I'm, I am, I'm so ready. I, it's it's dangerous to go alone, so well, take this brief history presented <laughs> by Nintendo host Tiger. Did you see the latest Nintendo newsletter? Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. You mean you haven't played it yet? We can play it on my Nintendo Entertainment System. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks, Tech Tech's levers, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go Link. Yeah, get some. Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. The Legend of Zelda Soul 7. 
what does it feel like to freely explore a world with few limits and little to no direction on how to accomplish your goals? Today, this concept has been all but fully realized with the emergence and iterative refinement of the open world genre. But things were not always this way. In 1986, most games, especially console games, were heavily structured and largely linear, with puzzles and platforms ruling the day. That all would change when Nintendo released what many have come to consider the most influential adventure game of all time. The year is 1984. Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka began their quest to design a game that would be an ideal launch title for the upcoming Famicom Disk System. The title needed to be larger in scope, have the ability to save progress, and perhaps even push sales of the new add-on. Being designed concurrently with Super Mario Bros., Miyamoto wanted a game that provided a clear contrast to the platforming plumber. While Mario would be a straightforward linear affair, this title needed to provide the player with options, forcing them to explore and strategize. Drawing inspiration from his days as a boy in Kyoto, exploring the world around him and getting lost in a maze of sliding doors in his home in Sonobe, Miyamoto wanted to give players the same sense of wanderlust and wonder through this expression of digital art. The protagonist of this nascent adventure would be defined early on being dubbed Link, a name meant to represent the link to the world Miyamoto created. This was a fine start, but the game itself still required a title. This would ultimately come from the most unusual of places, writer F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda. Miyamoto would go on record stating that he simply liked the sound of the name, with no real deeper meaning to the choice. As such, the requisite damsel in distress would be known as Zelda, which would in turn inform the eventual title of the game itself, The Legend of Zelda. On February 21st, 1986, The Legend of Zelda would see release alongside the Famicom Disk System in Japan. The game would take full advantage of the new console's technical capabilities and boast a file size of a whopping 128 kilobytes including save features rather than a more traditional password system and the use of extra available sound channels for a more immersive experience. This was all well and good for Japanese gamers, but the rest of the world didn't have access to the Famicom. Further, there were no plans to release it outside of Japan. Fortunately, thanks to technical advancements in the form of the Memory Management Controller, or MMC1, and battery backup for save files, The Legend of Zelda would finally be made available to the rest of the world. On July 14th and November 15th of 1987, the game would be released in North America and Europe respectively on a now iconic gold-colored cartridge. Naturally, the game would receive positive critical response and massive commercial success. The Legend of Zelda would go on to sell 2 million units by 1988, with a total lifetime sales figure of over 6.5 million copies. The Legend of Zelda's legacy cannot be over-exaggerated. The game still receives continuous praise from fans and media outlets alike, and has seen homages and influences throughout the game industry from the moment it was released to this very day. It has spawned an entire franchise with countless sequels and spin-offs on almost every Nintendo system ever released, and even some systems that didn't belong to the big end. There's no doubt that Zelda was a revelation for its time, with a franchise so strong that each new release is an event and cause for celebration. And that is your brief history of The Legend of Zelda. Awesome. Uh, so thanks, Tiger, for that uh, brief history. And you know, the thing that, <laughs> the thing that I just realized is that... Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a huge contrast between the generally glowing brief history that we just gave of this game and how much I think at least some of us are totally going to rip into this now. <laughs> oh, it's it's going to happen. Just so everyone is fully aware, we are we I think I said this earlier, we are not going to worship at the altar of Zelda. It's not going to happen. We are going to be very, very honest about the way we feel about this game as it currently is. And I, I think I can say that for everybody here. And is that pretty much where, where we're all at? Yeah, I think I can agree Game with that. Game sucks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of Retro Hangover. Uh... But, but okay, this is an iconic game. We do deserve to give this game some respect. I think that's fair. 
Um, so let 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 us start out with some of the very good positives about it, and that is in 1986-1987, this game was somewhat of a revelation. It was unlike anything most console gamers had played. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's part of what we touched on in the in the brief history is that you know they were they were very intentional about making this um, a more open experience that gives the player much more choice and and agency in where they go in the world. I mean, to the point where, you know, you, you basically, I mean, for anybody who hasn't actually played the original legend of Zelda, I guess you wouldn't know this, but for those of you who have, you're familiar with the fact that it quite literally just drops you into the game and it's just like, okay, well, I don't know, fucking figure it out, I guess. And that's, that's pretty much it. And actually, I think somewhere in our notes here, we had also pointed out that uh, they had to change slightly some of the design of that very first scene in the game where when they were kind of playtesting this with people uh, way back in the beginning, Link started with the sword and people had no idea what to do or where to go or how to like really interact with the world. And so they made a tweak to that where you had to go into the cave that's on that first screen to get the sword from the old man, which of course now everybody knows um, that little sequence. But um, it was it was put there specifically to sort of like guide players to be like, oh, hey, you need to explore in order to find things. And like caves are going to be kind of a big deal. So so be, before we really move any any further, this is really my fault for the way I segued out. But did any of you play this? And I think I'm going to get a yes for both of you. Play this on yeah. the original NES. Like when it was yes. still relevant to play it on an NES. Absolutely. Oh, okay. When it was still relevant? No. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. Well, that's where I come in because absolutely I played this game when it first came out. And, and uh, what, 87, 88, when did it come out in U.S.? I just said it. 80, I don't remember. 87. 87. 87. So, um, yeah. I probably yeah. played when I was five years old, when I was uh, probably 1988, I'd say. And I completely loved this game i got lost in this game and the i can the only way i could compare it to is like if you play the if you play breath of the wild um the way that game made you feel where you could explore everything like that didn't tell you what to do you you just got dropped in in a sense and you, you just go wherever you want and that's how this game made me feel in 1988 uh and mm. you know i was just ecstatic to like go to the next screen and see what would come up you know so it was it was yeah. like a it was like going to the next screen was the reward for me and then you know when you when you get to the dungeons and then you you know you get to explore this completely brand new world inside of a dungeon like oh let's in here uh i i got lost in this game so i i loved the game uh as a child and one i just wanted to share a story that i had like I didn't own this game and I played it at a friend's house. So my my parents took me to Toys R Us or something and they asked me uh, what I wanted and I said, I wanted Zelda. And they said, one or two. And me, being a oh, kid, no. Oh, no. I knew oh, no. that <laughs> oh, no. higher number means better. <laughs> of course. So, of course, I said two. Yeah, and, you know. Of course you did. I got the wrong version of Zelda when I was a child. <laughs> uh to own but you know i could always go to my friend's house to play my favorite zelda zelda one I, at the time i'm not i'm not i'm not no today speaking i'm i'm not sure if i fully agree with that statement uh but we can get into that later i, I had a very similar experience uh played it as a kid i played it probably in 1990 i don't remember ever liking it it just it was just kind of there i don't remember ever even really wanting it it's just i think my dad more wanted to play it than than i did and so it was there was the legend of zelda and yeah i mean for a while i was i was really addicted to it just because you know that open thing of exploring getting past the first couple dungeons but then i just kind of put it down because it just became too cryptic and uh too obtuse and just very difficult to to get through without knowing exactly what to do and that's very endemic of a lot of nes games uh but zelda was different and i think that's we, we can get a little bit more into that before we do shane what was your first experience with the game i i didn't come to it like super late or anything but i wasn't playing it like when it was released or in the few years like afterwards um because i 
as I've said before on the podcast, like I, during that time period, I had a, a Sega master system, um, and I ended up getting an NES a little bit later. Um, I think I actually, we traded the master system for, with somebody, I think for an NES. So whoever got that one, I'm sorry. Uh, but they have golden X warrior, dude. They're good. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I had already like, by the time I had come to it, it, I feel like it already felt like weirdly obtuse and kind of antiquated because I feel like I had already had a chance to to play some other games that were kind of iterations on this. Um, I almost want to say that I didn't even get a chance to really try the original Legend of Zelda until I had already gotten a Super Nintendo. And so like going back to it at that point, especially ever have after having a chance to play something like Link to the Past it's hard to go back to. Mm. Uh, so I didn't have the same experience of not really having anything else to compare it to. Um, but I can totally see like where that comes from. And, and I think I've said this about something else before. I, it might've been a discussion Chris and I had actually, it might've been about fantasy star now that I'm think about it. And that's something we'll be talking about in a future episode, um, with Paul from region free gamers. But, uh, I could have seen myself totally having the same experience that Tiger had with this and getting super sucked into it and just sitting there with like a pad of graph paper and meticulously mapping out every inch of this game because I was 100% that kind of kid. So I, I have no argument about like whether or not that is a thing that could have happened because if I had come to this at the right time, um, it for sure would have been me. But unfortunately for me, I, I came to it kind of after the fact, and I, I suppose in a way I was already spoiled by, I guess I could say, objectively better games. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Link to the Past ruined the first Zelda for me, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, had had the whole map in the game. That was nice. Yeah, so I guess, so I suppose maybe that's a a little bit of a segue then, because we have some some items like on our, on our notes for this that we probably wanted to discuss, and I also have some personal sort of pros and cons that I had written out about kind of my experiences with the game. And so, so here's the, the huge game changer for me, as Chris mentioned this game and a lot of games of this era suffered from this, but this one, uh, probably more notable than some others in that if you have no like outside context for the game, you literally have no idea what you're doing or where to go. And, um, I had that same problem where, you know, I, I think if I had gotten a copy of the game, I never owned the game. So I had, uh, either rented it or borrowed it from a friend or something. And so I did not have the instruction booklet. Um, oh, which is critical. Out, so critical. the instruction booklet is 100% fucking required for this game, because if you don't have it, you miss out on so much good information. And so Leading up to this episode, I went back and I, and I replayed the you know the original Legend of Zelda to kind of get myself back into the groove of this to to talk about it today. And you know, I was like, you know what, damn it, I'm gonna go find the instruction booklet for this game. And so I found a PDF copy of it online, and I looked through that, and I was like, it was a fucking revelation. I was like, oh my god. And so I, I have to say, like, my general sentiment of this game has not changed too much, but. I will say that my opinion has adjusted in that if you have the instruction booklet with you, I can totally see how this game probably is better received than I felt like it should have been for so long because I got through like the first three or four dungeons of this game by, you know, with assistance from the information in the instruction booklet without too much of a problem. And I dare say I actually enjoyed myself. So before it sounds like we're getting on track to to share our our probably popular and popular opinions on this but um before yeah, we fuck it man just go for it <laughs> before we get into that uh soundtrack no, is too late what do you mean too late i'm saying soundtrack great soundtrack great everyone likes the soundtrack no problem with the soundtrack <laughs> well music good um music is good the you mean zelda one yes i mean in in that i feel like at least the overworld theme is i mean it's iconic it's, it's iconic for a reason yes right like, it's it it was the notes are good. I'm only I'm only mad at the fact that there's only like three songs in the entire game. 
Five. Five. Oh, okay. My <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if I want to get this wrong. But yes. Uh, overall, sound production is good. Uh, graphically, it's not bad looking either. And as, as Shane said, if you have the manual, it's not terrible. Okay, so go. Um, <laughs> I, I think Shane hit it right on the head. If you don't have the manual to this game, if you're going this blind, if you give this to a person, you say play this game and figure it out. You're fucking lost, dude. Like when Tiger said he was lost in the game, I don't know if he meant that he was actually fucking lost or if he was engrossed because either neither one of those would have surprised me. <laughs> uh, perhaps a little bit of both. I, I was just I was just moving around, man. I didn't care. I just wanted to fight things, destroy things. I didn't care about right. going in order in the dungeons. You know, I was just traveling, man. I wasn't, you know, where do I need to go? I, don't, I didn't ask that. I was a kid. Who cares? I just yeah. want to see. So that's okay. But that's the other thing too, right? Is it, when you're a kid, you have all the time in the world to sink into. I mean, true. Hell, that's, that's why I'm good at Contra three. Who right. the fuck is good at Contra three? Like that game is hard as balls, but I can beat it with almost no issue. And that's because I sunk a stupid amount of time into playing that game. Like, if I was a kid and playing this, like, yes, absolutely. I would just be like, you know what? That's why I said, like, I'd be sitting there. I'd be drawing a map. I'd be exploring. And I wouldn't give a shit because I would drop 100 hours into Legend of Zelda and explore every single, like, nook and cranny. Absolutely. But, like, going to it now, I'm just like, yo, what is my objective? Because, like, I got other shit to do. Yeah. yeah. But even even if you explore every nook and cranny... Like that doesn't guarantee you. Sh- that doesn't guarantee you shit. There's dungeons that you have to bomb random areas of the map to find. That is true. In order to get the master sword, like it's very cryptic because you need to have twelve hearts and navigate through a forest that the game never tells you how to navigate through, in order to get to a graveyard. Like everything's very, 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 very cryptic. It's an adventure, Chris. Okay. And how else are you going to discover for yourself? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Discover for yourself. So. This goes this goes to 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 Miyamoto's credit. I guess he the intended purpose of what he wanted to do was achieved because his intention was, well, we're going to make it so vague that the kids are going to talk at school and, and trade notes about how to be successful. What if you have no friends? What if you're like me? <laughs> Nintendo like, did he know funny. his demographic? Like, what the fuck, Shigeru? Like, get with it. You know, they still they still want to do that today. They still do it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just need to make it increasingly obtuse because otherwise it's going to be on the internet like day one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like how else are you going to know that you're supposed to burn that bush six bushes over on that one screen to get Nintendo some power? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually. But uh, I mean, and not to belabor this point too much, but I mean, another great example of this is, is again, like, so like Brianna, my fiance, she is a huge Legend of Zelda fan of, of the series. Right. And it's, she's actually made it a, a life goal to finish every Zelda game, which I think is admirable um, for a number of reasons. But one, because that also means that she's going to have to finish this one. <laughs> and she tried to start playing this one. I think she bought it on like the virtual console for her 3DS or something. Mm-hmm. And I think she played it for like a day maybe. And she just looked at me and was like, this game's awful. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. I'm never going to finish this. And she, I don't think she's touched it since. And and I can't disagree. Like, I mean, uh, you know, if she's going to circle back and try it again, I'll send her the PDF of the instruction manual, which will at least get mm-hmm. her through like three or four dungeons. But it... <sighs> I feel like this game kind of went too far in that sort of like discover the cryptic bullshit like direction. Like there needed to be something more that helps guide the players. And I guess, you know, of course, we're looking at this in hindsight. Of course. You know, with, with being informed by decades of, of progress, you know, progress in in the game industry. But but I think I mean, that's that that's an opinion. That's that's what informs a lot of people's opinions on this game. Because you do have a lot of people sure. that played this game while they were growing up and they know this game backward and forward and they know exactly what to do. And they're like, oh, yeah, this game's great. And then, like, I don't – of course they're going to say that. They know what to fucking do. If you don't – if you have never played this game before, you're not going to know what to fucking do. And you go, you can go to GameFAQs. I would have no shame in anyone who went to GameFAQs and said I, they beat this game because literally they packed the map, the overworld map – with the American version of this game 
So you knew what to fucking do. And then mm-hmm. same with the dungeons. You even had the dungeon layouts. So I don't. Yeah, well, wait, was that separate from the instruction manual? Maybe. I don't. I, I, can't because I don't think the dungeons remember. were the, in there. The manual Where has the, the overall map in it, but yeah. it only marks out like it marks out the locations like explicitly of, I think, like the first four dungeons on the overworld and then they've got question marks on areas in the map for like where the rest of the stuff probably is yeah and, and they actually have the full dungeon layout of like i think the first three at least can we start talking about like the enemies in this game go for it yes and, yes um, yeah because you know that the you know finding everything and getting lost and you know not knowing what to do that's one thing but when you're in the dungeon and oh i preface as you said, your fiance was going to go through and beat every Zelda. I also had the the mission to beat every Zelda, and I wanted to do that in order. And this was like right before Breath of the Wild came out. So I, I, and I was into streaming, so I was streaming the very first Zelda uh, and me beating it. And I was going to do a YouTube video for every dungeon. And I think about five dungeons in. I realized that it wasn't going to be as easy as making one video for each. Mind you, I wasn't using a strategy guide or anything. I was just doing this, you know, just straight off. I didn't want to um, quote unquote cheat. I wanted to figure this out <laughs> myself. And sure, just, yeah. no one, I don't want anyone to feel like they need to do that because this game, it's really not necessary. I, I'd highly recommend using a strategy guide or else you're going to yes. pull all of your hair out you're gonna wonder why you mm-hmm. why you're living this life, <laughs> why you're even putting yourself <laughs> in this position. Uh, the the two enemies in this game that are the worst enemies. Uh, I looked up the names because uh, I, okay. I didn't want to. Well, yeah, screw it. The armored guys. Uh, they're dark orange nuts. and blue. Just as as is dark nuts? most of the every other enemy in this game, orange and blue. I assume it has to do with like you know memory or whatever. But uh, dark nuts. <laughs> Also, they're called. Uh, you can yes. only hit them on the sides or the back. And yeah. they're the most annoying enemies in this game. And there's no, yeah. like, specific pattern to, to, this, to this enemy. They just, you know, come at you and go up. They, they go up, they go right, and they go up. And you just have to figure out how to hit the side or the back. And if there is a pattern, you know, please tell me. But I was watching myself play. And I was so freaking frustrated at trying to kill these things. Um, <laughs> the other one, which came later, I thought that was going to be the worst enemy. No, later uh, came these little magical mage bitches uh, called Wizrobes. Uh, mm, heck yeah, yeah. Orange, orange was all right. You know, these little orange cute mages. You know, they were no problem. But the blue ones. When you get to the blue ones. You know, they face you, and when they face you, they shoot this wave of magic towards you that comes speeding at you. And, you know, like, I, I died so many times. And, oh, and then they teleport. They also teleport. Uh, so I because feel of course they that, do. you know, I had so much fun as a kid with this game. But obviously, I never got to these harder dungeons where, you know, you just end up dying all the time. And you, <laughs> and when you get to the you get to a point where you, like, uh, your fifth time <laughs> coming into that entrance of the dungeon, you have three hearts out of your 15. Do I want to go back and uh, go to the ferry and come all the way back to do this dungeon? Or do I just want to turn this game off and go do something else <laughs> more important with my life? <laughs> I have a good feeling. I know the answer to that question. <laughs> well, and so, so actually this is super interesting to me because you, you touched on two of the points that I had marked down in my own personal list of some issues that I had with this. So apparently I am not alone. Um, specifically with enemy behavior, just by and large, almost every enemy in this game is just completely erratic. Like they are not predictable in almost any way most of the time. So combat becomes this guessing game of, I I guess maybe I'll move here and hope I don't get hit. And because their behavior is often so erratic, it causes a lot of unnecessary hits. You take a lot of damage that maybe you otherwise like didn't have to. And this coupled with the fact that most hitboxes in this game are janky as shit, you are never 100% sure if you're actually going to land a hit when you swing your sword. And that is swing uh, is a generous term, like super apparent with those those dark nuts, because, 
you know, they're trying to implement some sort of like strategy in that and like, oh, well, they have a shield, so you can't hit them from the front. But when you can't predict their movement pattern and you're not sure if you're close enough to hit, that's one of the things that frustrates me the most about this damn game is that I take so many unnecessary hits because I get too close to an enemy because I'm trying to overcompensate to make sure that my own sword swing actually hits. It is such a pain in the ass. It makes combat so frustrating in this game. I actually think that player experience would be improved vastly if like the the hit detection and hit boxes were somehow improved in the game. I honestly think so. And the feeling of yeah. going into a room, you know, with five dark nuts. Oh, finally, <laughs> I got them all. You go to the next room, there's 10 dark nuts. Like what <laughs> what what were they thinking when they're like putting these like rooms together? So and, oh it, uh, it, what rewatching my Zelda run was ultra frustrating. I have anxiety just thinking about it. So, so <laughs> the two enemies that that get me is not so much, I, I like the difficulty part in taking out enemies. That that's that's one thing to me, and I can understand that frustration. The two enemies that bother me are the fucking like likes. Uh, if you don't know what the like likes are, they're those 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 things that look like intestines that you know the 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 that steal your shield. If you have the the, the big shield. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the pancakes with the hole in them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think more of like the, the, the giant fleshy things that like eat your shield and shit. So I hate those. <laughs> they I hate those because they steal your shield and the hands that grab you. Yeah. Those are the two I hate because they just they interrupt gameplay and they disrupt your achievement. Like they they take away something you've earned. They pull you back from something that you have accomplished. Dark nuts are going to kill you, but you can learn to kill dark nuts. If you get grabbed by a fucking hand, or I don't know what they're called, but if you get absorbed by a like-like, okay, you fuck up, but now you have to you have to retrace your steps all the way back to the location to get your new shield, or you have to go back to that location in, in the dungeon and hope you don't get grabbed by the fucking hand. And that that sucks. Yeah, the, the hand, by the way, are called wall masters, and that shit, like, does not go away yeah. because that shows up in future Zelda games, too. And by the way, that's probably the, the name of the, the monsters that make the most amount of sense. Wallmaster. That's that's a name that makes sense. It's not like Dodongo. What the fuck is a Dodongo or a Pulse voice? I mean, like, at least I mean, I don't know, man, like Dodongo at least is a some sort of generic fantasy name. I can I can get behind that. What's it like? Like, there we go. I don't know that one. That one. I, I have nothing for that one. I don't. How, how about those spider things that you would call spiders, but aren't spiders that bounce all over the screen? Tech uh, tights. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck? You got to get into the lore, man. Get there was no lore. It was the first <laughs> game. I mean, you say that, but again, like there's actually a bunch of shit in the instruction manual. Like 90% of this game is in the freaking manual. I swear. I mean, there's stuff in our real life that, you know, we should question, you know, like use, mm -hmm. which are sheep. Why are they called use? Who named I ram you. Yeah, that's <laughs> why right there. Uh, is there anything we really need to 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 emphasize more in this game? I think you know, it's it's it was good for 1986. Well, I, I have something else that I need to that I need to touch on. Oh, please do. Really Let's go. Talk. Let's about open yet. this door. Let's open it. Um. Yeah. So can we talk about the map for a second? What map? <laughs> exactly exactly okay so i don't understand why other than maybe they just were trying to maintain that like mystique or something but why the shit is there no overworld map why is there no map the, the map section up at the top all it has is just like a black square with a little dot that gives you a vague idea of where you are and i know it's doable because the dungeons do have a map like you can keep track. I mean, granted, you have to get the map item to be able to see all of it, but it at least keeps track of your progress as you're moving through. So it's easy to reference. Why, mm -hmm. why was that not a thing? Well, I mean, the dungeons are only so big. The overworld is bigger. The overworld map is only so big, too. <laughs> it's a freaking rectangle. I, if I was, if I would hazard to guess, it would have been because of memory limitations. What do you mean? They I mean, had 128 kilobytes. I, yeah, whopping. it only had five songs in it. <laughs> it's that extra, it's that extra, extra sound channel they utilized. 
And also for the record, that intro was really super, flashy, by the way. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> thank that, you. Thank you where, to the person that's who where wrote it. All it. Went. it went all yeah. into the intro. That's the longest sound in the game, by the way. As long as we're talking about music, is that intro song? It all went into the intro. That's where all the production budget went. It's like Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, but you got to put it on one disc. It's all FMVs. <laughs> that's Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. Like, especially, it, it was one thing if just none of the maps functioned that way, but given that the dungeons do. It makes it apparent that that was 100% possible. Like, it could have been done. And, and I just don't understand why it wasn't there. Like, it, I feel like just having that would have at least made things a little bit more manageable, other than essentially requiring you to, to bust out a piece of paper and draw it as you go along. Because Miyamoto wanted you to feel like he did when he was a kid. That's why. Completely lost? I guess. I guess that's how he well, felt. Did <laughs> only thing I could think of is like, okay, so in a dungeon, you can find a map of the dungeon by the person that created the dungeon. But we have life, world maps, in Tiger. The overworld, there are cartographers, <laughs> it's literally their job. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I tried. Oh, well, <laughs> I tried. Sorry. Sorry, Miyamoto. I tried. And you know what? While I'm nitpicking this, I also it would have been really, really useful if on the dungeon maps they had just like shaded the the rooms a different color to indicate ones that you've already been to. That would have been really nice. I just just pointing that out. You know what I uh, I appreciate after this game, um, moving diagonally. Uh, mm. not, well, not only moving. I think you could move diagonally, but um, attacking diagonally. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Such a small little appreciation from the difference of playing uh, Link to the Past versus. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, so outside of just like completely railing on this, because that's basically all we've been doing. (laughs) um, There there were some interesting things and little tidbits that I I feel like we should at least touch on real quick, because there is a lot of sort of info and and little, you know, nuggets of wisdom around this game um, that have come out as time has gone on. And one of the things that actually stuck out to me that I thought was really cool um, was the origin of the the Triforce. So originally uh, the Triforce was actually supposed to be composed of three different pieces of um, electronic chips and the story of the game was going to involve time travel from the past to like the far future. And technically speaking, that's actually why Link is called Link, because he was going to function as the link between the past and the future. Um, of course, they changed that and just stuck with more of like the the fantasy setting. But I thought that was a pretty neat thing. And of course, time travel does factor into future Zelda games. But um, never traveling into some sort of like, you know, far future setting or anything like that, which who knows, maybe they'll bring that back around someday. But I thought that was neat at the very least. I, I really do think it would have been cool if they had gone more, maybe not so much the microchip shit, but if they had gone full Ocarina and did like a past future thing, but set another link in the future, like postmodern setting, I think that would have been wild. Yeah. And I, I do. And like I like I said, I do still think that that kind of leaves some territory for them to cover maybe in a future game. If they go on to get real crazy with with the series, they could bring like start the game in, you know, your tried and true sort of like fantasy Zelda setting. And then like halfway through, they just like throw Link into like some like cyberpunk dystopian future. <laughs> that would be cool. Cyberpunk Zelda 2077. <laughs> That's right. Zelda's a stripper you pick up at the bar, and she has the power of the Triforce hidden somewhere in her body. You have to find it, or else it will explode. (laughs) I mean, listen, man, like, you know, Twilight Princess was their attempt to get all, like, real and gritty, but if they want to get real and gritty, then that's Mm -hmm. that's the direction they got to go. I want to see, like, a a Shadowrun Zelda crossover. It's not like Nintendo doesn't have a sense of humor when you have that character from Metal Gear Solid V. The, uh, the the prequel to it, I forgot what it was fucking called, who had the bomb in her vagina. And then when you unlock her spirit, your character starts out with a bomb. So Nintendo can go there. <laughs> it's whether or not they want to do that with one of like the main pillars of their of their intellectual property, I think, is the big question. Just give yeah. it to the great fairy fairy or 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 Impa or whatever her fucking name is. Yeah, just don't give it to yeah, Zelda. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> 
Probably not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but if it did, you heard it here first. So there you go. Uh, all right. So cyberpunk let's, Zelda. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the discussion on this one. Um, okay. And as we as we are wont to do. Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about whether we think, and I think I already know what the answer is, but whether uh-huh. this holds up today and if someone could go back and play it now and if it's worth their time. So, Chris, why don't, why don't you start us off? Um, No, it's not worth your time today. If you're going to wow, play shocker. it. Yeah. If you're going to play today, get a FAQ, get an FAQ, whatever the fuck you want to call it. You're going to need it. And it's fine because the American release essentially came with a FAQ to get you on board on how you're supposed to play this game this game is is counterintuitive to the way you play games today so going back you you it it is intentionally vague intentionally gives you no idea what to do because as miyamoto himself said the entire point of the game was that when you went to the schoolyard and talked to your friends on how to play it and beat it that's where you got your best information i.e someone was reading nintendo power and telling you what to do that is the <laughs> fundamental way to play this game, and that is not good game design, even though I understand where he's coming from, because when I was a kid, we definitely did that shit when it came to, like, boss battles and Mega Man and all that stuff. I get it, but that's not good game design. So maybe it was in 1986, and who am I to question Miyamoto? He knows more about game design than I ever will. But, however, it's not a good game. In retrospect, it got a lot better. I would even say... Zelda 2 is the better game between the two of those games. If you're going to Ooh, go back and play an NES that Zelda, a, that that is a that is a lava hot take right there. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm not I'm not stuttering. There are so many better games <laughs> in that era that you can play, whether it be Crystallis, whether it be Golden Axe Warrior for the Sega Master System, whether Crusader it be of Senti. Uh, Crusader of Senti for the Genesis, which came out 10 years later, so that doesn't count. Whether or not it be Star Tropics, there are better <laughs> Zelda games than Zelda. Blaster Master, Guardian Legend, which in uh, which also combined Platformer in Blaster Master's case, and Shmup in Guardian Legend's case. There are better games than The Legend of Zelda. It was a very good effort. It did a lot of innovative things. It was it's 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 iconic. I get it. And it laid the ground foundation for everything. But no, don't go back and play this game. Unless you're genuinely curious, there's no reason to do it. Play Link to the Past if you want a top-down Zelda experience, because that's the way to go. I would even venture to say that if you want just a really amazing top-down Zelda experience, you should just play Link Between Worlds. But uh, Or Final Fantasy Adventure, which we have also done an episode on. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, just as a quick side thing, the whole like schoolyard discussion thing, that also led to a whole lot of rumors that got brewed up over time. That was half the um, fun, though. That were 100% untrue. Like there was a rumor going around that like you could get a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Cyberpunk Zelda 2077. That was it. That was it. They were hinting at it this whole time. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, there's a BFG hidden in a cave somewhere. Uh, all right. So, Tiger, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I want to mention that um, when when Chris said that uh, Mar- uh, Mario Zelda 2 is better than Zelda 1, I would want to say that he is error. Uh, I'm Baku. I, I do not feel the same as <laughs> uh, on that. And and I'm also going to say no that uh, we should not be playing Zelda 1 in 2020. Uh, but <laughs> we shouldn't be playing Zelda 2. But also, uh, <laughs> yes, Link Link to the Past is a much better choice. I will agree with Chris on that. And if you're wanting to play a top-down Zelda, um, it does everything better. It has a map for everything. A great map. <laughs> uh, every when when you want to use things, it works. Uh, when you go in a room and there's a person there, he will actually tell you a little bit more instead of uh, go to the next room and then there's no other doors. So you're like, go to the next room. What does that mean? They want you to bomb the wall. How am I supposed to know I'm supposed to bomb the wall? I thought the next room was. Uh, I, I, that's a thing in the game. I don't know if you know that. It says go oh, yeah. to the next room, and I was I was pissed off when I read that. Yeah, no uh, shit. Grum- that's that's, that's what your reaction is like. Yeah, yes. yeah no shit. <laughs> grumble, grumble. What the fuck does grumble, grumble mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, plenty, plenty. Oh, this other the cave where you walk in is just a woman staring at you. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I guess the the people in the schoolyard is going to tell me all about what I need to do. Can't wait. And she's just slowly oh. back away from the cave. <laughs> so, uh, um, no, don't don't put yourself through that, and <laughs> don't put yourself through Zelda too. That's all. Uh, yeah. So unsurprisingly, my take on it's not going to be too much too different. I think. Um, I I will say for whatever it's worth, if you are. If you are intent on playing this game and seeing it through, then first of all, I applaud you for your tenacity. And second, uh, I would echo Chris's sentiment in that just open up a walkthrough and just use that the entire way through. And even then, the walkthrough is not going to change the fact that, frankly, the combat sucks and you're going to run into a bunch of rooms like Tiger mentioned where... It's basically just a digital representation of a giant middle finger. But like, if you want to do that, you totally can. But as far as top down, like action RPGs are concerned, you have so many better choices. Frankly, you know what they should do? And I think it might actually work out fairly well. They have proven, and by they, I mean Nintendo, that they can create a really great like reimagining of an existing game in uh, Link's Awakening. So if they ever decided to do this, and I don't know because I feel like the original Legend of Zelda is like sacred as far as they're concerned, but <laughs> if they were to go and do an HD remake where they tweaked some of the things and made the combat better and gave you an overworld map and those sort of thing, I think it might actually be a, like, you know, an acceptable experience. I might even go f so far as to say an enjoyable one. But as it stands today, no, no. We we have only a limited amount of time on this planet, and I would not recommend anybody spending it doing this. <laughs> brief, brief fun fact. Before Capcom made the Oracle of Ages and Seasons, Nintendo yeah. wanted them to remake the original Zelda. Ah, well. But they said, see, we're just we go. we're just going to make a new game, and they pressed forward. But Good they did them. have an opportunity. I mean, that turned out okay because yeah, they made the better seasons decision. were actually pretty good. But yes, Nintendo. I don't want an HD Zelda one. <laughs> there, I said it. I don't want Fine. it. I don't need it. Fine. I don't. I don't need it to be beautiful in twenty twenty five. Like it's good. Like just leave it there. Leave it in the past. Hey, hey. I want to go to the past. Too. I'll play Link to the Past. Breath of the Wild Two is going to be a remake of Zelda One. Oh God. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. It actually worked. Oh. <laughs> well, I think on that note, um, I suppose we will we'll call this episode done. Uh, so, right. Uh, as, as always, uh, our, our Nintendo host, LP Tiger, we appreciate you uh, joining in on the discussion. It's always a pleasure. And I'll be back to, uh, you know, shit on any other Nintendo game if need be. <laughs> well, that's what we can count on you for. Nothing <laughs> else. Well, in any event, uh, I guess we'll we'll do our quick little spiel like we usually do. Um, so, if you're listening to us, then of course you found us, so you know where to go for that. But uh, if you have enjoyed listening and you would like to support the show in a little bit more of a concrete fashion, there are a couple of ways you can do that. We have our Patreon running. Uh, you can head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly slash rhpatron, uh, and check out the different donation tiers there. For as little as a dollar, that'll get you into our exclusive Discord where you can chat with the other patrons as well as ourselves. Um, and if you donate at the 16-bit tier or above, that also gives you access to our bonus audio content feed that is exclusive to our patrons patrons that uh we have our rapid fire reviews on there of the games that we're playing outside of these episodes as well as outtakes from these recording sessions uh, and other cool stuff like that so if that is something that might interest you please feel free to check that out we also have the merch shop open so that's at bit.ly slash rhp merch um soon we will have a couple new lines of uh stuff out there with the the new logo as so well hot. as the the, the great uh, eggplant dragon artwork that we had done. So um, keep Such an eye a big out eggplant. for that. The eggplant's yeah, huge. Just a massive bulbous eggplant. <laughs> and last but not least, we do stream on Twitch every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, please feel free to drop in on that and uh, tell us how bad we are at games because uh, we we usually are. And the, the, the most recent one is, is no exception with Chris getting just destroyed at Erzog's Vi. It's a so, terrible uh, game. 
<laughs> yeah, just blame it on the game. I actually could blame it on the controller too. I don't know why. Fuck it. I'll blame it on I'll blame it on the fact that it's a bad game and a bad controller and all that stuff. Okay, yeah. Well, uh with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your Dongo joysticks. Thank you.